Well, you know, this morning we spent a lot of time talking about the high cost of groceries, some of the options that are available if you want to try and save a little bit of money. This talked, this it started with the Loblaws 50% off stickers and uh, the fact that you can go in at certain times and get, you know, some of those perishable food items at a very reduced rate as they get closer to that best before date. So we talk about that. We talk about the impact it's having on us and how we shop for groceries. But for a lot of people, it's also having a big impact on their business, their place of work, restaurants, hotels, so many businesses in the hospitality industry feeling the pressure of high food costs. And of course, this is hot on the heels of, of COVID, the pandemic and, and like a, just a complete shutdown of hospitality. I can't imagine what these last three or four years have been like to help us understand though is one of our good friends, Jim Bentz, who's president and CEO of the Hospitality Saskatchewan Crew. He's a guy who's got some really good insights in the impact the increased cost of food is having on these businesses, and he joins me this morning. Jim Bentz, thanks for taking our call. Good morning, sir. It's uh, it's great to, to be on the show. I appreciate it. So what are you hearing from business owners when it comes to food costs? We talked about this this morning, just how it's impacting you and I in our grocery shopping. What's it doing for restaurants? Well, I think that, you know, when we talk about the food services industry, um, yes, the last three years have been really tough. But this morning, I just got off another call with one of my operators who said, this is harder than it ever was during the pandemic. And I think that there's a lot of pressures on our, particularly our small and medium-sized operators right now, with a whole host of pressures, including the food piece. You know, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, we've seen, you know, it go up as much as, you know, 7% and 23 and 5% last year. And so these are all costs now, and depending on the product we're talking about, um, really have a significant impact. The, the, the gentleman I was talking to is walking a fine line, uh, unlike anything he's walked before, because some of these costs, and not just food, but all the fixed costs that have gone up and spiked, um, how much can you raise? How much can you pass on to the consumer before they put away their wallet? So they're really conscious about menu price increases. Uh, they understand that if they're even going to break even, uh, they will have to do that. But then at some point, the consumer, we're hoping, uh, but they will, you know, say, "I got discretionary money, and it's just it's really tight right now." So in the restaurant world right now, we've got 53 percent been reported uh, that are operating at a loss. Restaurants, and, you know, and that's. That's from 12% pre-pandemic. So, mm. you know, it, there's, there's a lot of pieces, uh, a lot of plates, uh, you know, spinning in the air for these folks right now. And it's, it's really tough. So do large chain restaurants, you talked about small and medium size, do the larger box store or chain restaurants have a leg up on local family-owned businesses because of buying power? Oh, that's a great question. You know, when we look at branded pieces, whether it's restaurants or hotels, oftentimes based on their volume, the parent company will have negotiated prices with suppliers. So everything from, you know, from uh, be it fries or linens or disinfectants. Um, and so smaller operators oftentimes feel that they don't have, um, you know, the buying power of the big folks. So really one of the things we've been encouraging our small and medium-sized operators is to work with a buying group. Um, we have a partnership with a, an outfit called Quasep. And so they, they deal with everybody from McCain's to Zep to anything you need in your operations. And what they have done for many of my operators is find the pennies. Like they will go and find rebates on, on fries that you didn't even know that you had. They will um, help you switch to products that uh, will get you rebates. So um, for operators, and we know that, you know, just with SEBA, um, you know, doing what it did, 25% 
weren't able to pay back uh, the full amount together. We know that every single penny counts, and that's one of the opportunities is to work with some of these buying groups so that they can give you the same kinds of, or maybe not as big, but at least get you in the game so that you can start to see the rebates that the big the big crews get. Jim Bence is my guest today, President and CEO of Hospitality Saskatchewan. I'm still reeling at your number, Jim. Did you say 53% are operating at a loss right now? Yeah, as reported by Restaurants Canada. And that's, that even, uh, I mean, when we talk about sticker shock, um, that's, uh, that's, that's eye, eye popping. Um, throughout the pandemic, of course, we've seen, and pre-pandemic, you know, the restaurant business, it's, it's tough sledding. I have nothing but admiration for folks in that business because the margins are so slim. And, uh, you know, at 12%, that seemed, you know, a number that we, we had gotten used to, but to, but to, you know, to see it in number, you know, um, you know, an actual number about 53%, over 50%, that's really tough. So, uh, but again, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I finished that. Well, but when you see, when you see uh, the other costs that have spiked on their fixed piece, right? So this is why, you know, when you see uh, insurance in the last three years has absolutely skyrocketed, upwards of 300% in some cases. Um, lease rates, now we're looking at that. Um, when we get uh, surcharges or we get charges like fuel charges on deliveries, uh, that happened when prices were high, well, those haven't gone away. So it's really that it's complex, it's very complex. Uh, but when those issues are just layered one after another, you can see how it is that smaller operations would be underwater pretty quick. What I was going to ask there is, you know, I know we saw, sadly, I, I had friends who shut down their restaurant business during kind of the throes of the pandemic. Are we, is that been steady? Has that not tapered off? Are we still seeing restaurants and businesses close their doors? Oh boy. And even ones that we thought would never close, you know, branded pieces. Yes, it, it's still occurring. And, you know, the insolvency numbers were just into January. Um, this time of year is typically really, it, it's challenging because people are opening up their visa statements, right? You know, from, from, uh, Christmas. And so there's a bit of sticker shock there. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. So again, that discretionary spend. But when we look at insolvency numbers, we'll, we'll see what this first quarter brings. But typically we, we, Keep an eye on um, auction sites, mm-hmm. and we're seeing a lot of uh, you know restaurant equipment and whatnot going up for auction, knowing that folks are closing their doors. Yeah, you know another topic that we talk about a lot, and, and not with the hospitality sector, but even something like healthcare, we talk about a lack of resources. They literally don't have enough staff to carry out and meet demand. Is that a problem too in hospitality? Oh, well, in in fact, I think that. I, you know, I'll arm wrestle um, healthcare any day of the week around the, the employment piece um, because we, we saw an absolute evaporation of our workers, you know, during the pandemic. And many of them, it wasn't, you know, there's this perception that our, our workers just went home and I think smoked a bunch of dope and, and, you know, just went on, you know, EI. It wasn't the case. They actually went out and they got retrained and they went to other industries uh, that had managed to stay, you know, somewhat open. And so we lost a huge amount of not just our frontline workers, but our critical key uh, stabbing those uh, supervisory and management levels um, also left. So uh, it's certainly rebuilding. Um, it's been it's been great, though. I think that uh, certainly our priority is always to hire from within Saskatchewan's yeah. Let's get everybody to work. Uh, but as we look at other programs that might take us beyond our own borders of Saskatchewan or even you know foreign uh, foreign workers, um, we have to look at every opportunity. And and our, and our province is actually, the government has done some really exceptionally unique work out there. So I'm really uh, uh, encouraged by what they're doing for our industry. Um, uh, but it, it, that's that's really tough sledding in the short term. Right? Jim Bentz. 
Jim Bentz, my guest, president, CEO of Hospitality Saskatchewan. So we, I know we see in the province incentives, training courses, um, seats in classes and training in healthcare. Do we do that for like chefs, for example? Do we have incentives to grow that industry in the province? Oh, certainly. We've got to, you know, um, you know, a part of the discussion is getting in front of high school kids and getting them excited about our industry because there's so many different aspects to it. And, uh, you know, there's some great uh, post-secondary institutions uh, in Saskatchewan, and I and I won't name them because I know I'll forget one and then I'll be in trouble. But, you know, of course, we've got SAS Polytechnique and, and SIIT and really that engagement of our youth. Uh, we're a very youthful um, industry. Seven out of ten kids get their very first job in our industry. So how is it that we can get back to them and say, hey, look, at this is a great opportunity for uh, maybe maybe for a summer until you move or, or for a career. So, you know, there, there is opportunities there. And when it comes to those incentivized pieces, we've got some great training for up to and including um, apprenticeships. So I was I was on your website uh, yesterday and you've got some great stuff on there. Belong Saskatchewan. Can we talk about that? Oh, sure. That was a... Um, uh, a, a provincially funded piece that we did. And what it was meant to do was, and again, our priority is to hire from Saskatchewan first, first and foremost. In going outside of our borders, we understood that uh, in other parts of Canada, there was many workers that were from other parts of the world that were on their way home. They're here temporarily. And in Saskatchewan, uh, we've got a, a really great provincial nominee program. So we were able to build this website and build out a, a social media campaign to say, hey, you, you may be on your way home uh, because your province you live in isn't able to offer you uh, maybe permanent residency. We have some great opportunities here. And that belongs to Saskatchewan. Um, really blew up. It was really, I think, uh, when we look at, we just had our final meeting yesterday, uh, the numbers that we saw, you know, 3,000 resumes from people from across Canada who wanted to make Saskatchewan home. We talk a lot about the Saskatchewan advantage. That is everything from housing prices to, you know, the, the sometimes the client, uh, the climate doesn't do us any favors, but for the most part, we've got some, we've got some great opportunities here. So Belong Saskatchewan um, really worked well, and we're in, we're in discussions about having a phase two in that uh, as well, just, just based on the success that we had hospitality saskatchewan doing a great job for restaurants for the hospitality industry generally in our province jim bentz president and ceo is my guest today you know call it naive but when i was in policing i used to talk often about the need for for policing to take care of its staff its uh its employees its people from a mental health standpoint first responders generally are are prone to suffer from challenges with mental wellness because of the nature of the work they do. Since I've stepped outside of that, Jim, I see that this is a priority everywhere. I talked about it last week in terms of farmers and the work that needs to go into helping farmers. On your website, I noticed mental health supports is there as well. Why is that needed in your industry? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, during the pandemic, um, you know, things got, it was just, it was an exceptionally difficult time. And I have many operators, 75% are in our very small communities, rural and secondary markets. And, um, you know, we had a time in which the insurance piece really, we, I, I, we had 35 members that overnight lost insurance. We couldn't get insurance, period, anywhere on the planet. And underwriters had walked away. And so I was left with a whole host of folks that are, you know, many of them in their 60s. This was supposed to be their nest egg, their bar. Um, they were going to sell it and they were going to be able to retire. They found out now that without insurance, 
their chance of selling was almost nil. Um, the the desperation in some folks it was it was off the chart. Those were my hardest days. You know, with the calls with people coming in, just they just uh, you know, the one guy he said, "I'm 70. I can't get back. I can't go in the back of my tractor again." You know, and so over that time, we um, we had actually made almost a half a dozen calls. You know, to RCMP on wellness checks. Uh, we were really worried about some of our operators. You know making a really, really drastic decision. So those are, those are tough days, tough conversations. Thankfully, none of them, the five, um, did, you know, you know, commit suicide. Um, but that, that really, it, it showed us, it was a graphic illustration that we had to do as much as possible to help folks through this really difficult time. And, you know, through, through the help of, uh, um, uh, he's been on the show many times, it's Alan Kaler, a mental health and wellness uh, expert, um, he was instrumental in helping us sort of navigate that that world because a lot of it was brand new. We just mm-hmm. we just didn't know how to help. We know we needed to reach out. Well, good on you, Jim, and uh, Hospitality Saskatchewan for uh, for taking the initiative and, and recognizing the importance of it. And I just, in general, appreciate you uh, looking out for an important part of our province. I had Keith Moen on yesterday from the North Saskatoon Business Association talking similarly about the challenges that this current cost of living challenged environment that we live in has not just on day-to-day living for us but those people that are trying to make their living on a small business as you mentioned small margins it can be very very challenging so jim this has been good i appreciate the chat this morning oh my my pleasure in any time mr bray uh, you've got my number jim bentz president ceo of the hospitality saskatchewan team who do some great work, and you can check their website out, too. Lots of great resources on there. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Just talking about restaurants and businesses in the province. You may have seen this story recently. A a lady from our province who is blind was turned away from a restaurant in the province because she had her guide dog with her. And this is this happens from time to time. Unfortunately, it's it's fairly common. The reality is that you can't do that in Saskatchewan. If you own a restaurant, Saskatchewan's Human Rights Code prohibits discrimination based on physical or mental ability, including those who use service animals. So the province's Human Rights Commission's policy on service animals requires people in their registered service animals to be allowed entry to any public space, including restaurants. And I mean, we know a service animal is much different than just bringing a pet into a restaurant. Now, I'm not naming the restaurant on purpose because I think they did a very good job. They clearly said, we had no idea. We basically have a policy that says you can't bring an animal into the restaurant. In hindsight, now we've been educated. They have done a lot. They bent over backwards to try and Number one, educate their staff. Number two, help the lady who was uh, Cheryl Dolan, Dolan is her name. She um, has been blind for 27 years. They've reached out to her, offered the ability for her to come back to the restaurant, enjoy a meal there. And I think that's part why I wanted to talk about this. I'm on the CNIB Strategic Leadership Council Board in the province, and I'm very proud of the work that CNIB do when it comes to education like this. And so to me, anytime I can use this platform to talk about, this was a tough situation. Uh, and again, just really, it's about education and understanding that this, this is a fundamental right in the province of Saskatchewan. People that have a service animal, like someone who is blind and has a service dog, has the ability to go into the public space, including restaurants, 
with that dog. And so thanks to CNIB and the work that they do in our province to bring about awareness on this. Uh, thanks to this restaurant who stepped up and did the right thing. And uh, to Cheryl and so many like her in the province, um, continue to enjoy this great province. And uh, we all have a responsibility to uh, to make sure that we're we're following the rules. Everyone's included, and situations like this don't don't happen as often as sadly they do. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.